Well, good morning. Hey, I'm excited about having the opportunity to share this morning as we continue the Money Matters series. And as Pastor Jay said, I'm going to talk about debt. That's exciting, isn't it? Um, I've been tasked with this topic because God has given me the wonderful opportunity for a little over 25 years to serve in the area of managing finances for Kingwood Church. And in the process of doing that, I've gotten to know a lot of people in the church, and and we've talked a lot about this subject and tried to do some things to be helpful. So this whole series on money is... Uh, it's deeply personal to me because we, we want you to receive the help that God's Word and that this church has to give. So I do want to say today's message is not about the church's debt. So relax. We're not fundraising to burn our mortgage. Uh, the offering has already been received today. But I do want to start out by telling you some good news about the church's debt. Because of God's provision and your generosity, um, about 48 hours ago, I mean, this is hot off the press, we were able to pay off the next to last piece of debt for Kingwood Church about three years ahead of schedule, which is going to save our church about $100,000 in interest. Can you say praise the Lord for that? Amen. Amen. So, you know, for many years we we had a higher level of debt and it was spread across more loans in our organization. But as of this morning, we have one loan left. And we we have a little over eight years to the finish line. And I believe God's going to help us get there even faster than that. Don't you? Amen. Hey, let me say this. You know, less debt means more opportunity to reach our community and our world and to say yes to God's open doors. So that's, to me, the exciting part of seeing our church move toward freedom from debt. Now, talking about our personal debt is an emotionally charged and deeply personal subject. So why does our debt matter to God? Before I get into the heart of this message, I want to frame our intention with this message and with this whole series There is no condemnation today for whatever situation you may find yourself in. In fact, if you've made some bad financial decisions and you have multiple types of debt and you have no good plan how you're going to get free of these debts, I want to tell you today, you are not alone in this church by a long shot, okay? I also want to say some of you have been forced into debt that was not of your choosing, by difficult circumstances, job losses, medical bills, and other difficulties. And there is grace for you in this message today. Whether your challenges came from difficult circumstances or from bad decisions, God loves you just the same, and He wants to help you today. For all the messages in this series, Pastor Jay and I want to give you biblical teaching through which you can cultivate wisdom in the area of managing money. I love the definition of wisdom that Pastor Jay shared in the last message. Do you remember it? It it is simply this. Wisdom is long-term thinking. It's long-term thinking. It's the ability to play the long game, to not act impulsively, 
to not panic or get pressured into making short-term decisions that turn out badly. Our prompting to preach this series is that we believe God wants something for you, not something from you in the area of finance. He wants you to be free. Proverbs 22.7 really sets the table for today's message. It says, the rich rule over the poor and the borrower is slave to the lender. We need God's truth to sink in to change the way we think and behave in relation to money. God's Word powerfully dispels our culture's lies about debt and provides us with truths that give us real help and hope. How many of you today could use some real help and hope? I know I could. Amen. Well, let's talk about debt. It is a problem. Did you know that? It is a problem, and we didn't get here overnight. Our culture has been indoctrinated by decades of Wall Street and by Madison Avenue to believe some very powerful lies that have led to the consumer debt crisis that we are in as a country today. When I say crisis, the facts support me. Americans have 4.45 trillion, that's with a T. By the way, that's a million times a million, if you need to know how many zeros that is. $4.45 trillion in non-mortgage debt. I leave out mortgages because real estate at least can grow in value. Most of the things we borrow to, to buy lose value, like cars, or they get consumed, like groceries. But remember the disturbing stat that Pastor Jay shared last week. 90% of people who are in debt do not know how much they owe. And let me give you another one. 73% of Americans will still have debt when they die. Suffice it to say, in America, debt touches every generation. It touches every income level. It touches every race. And it touches every region. If I could give you one picture of what getting out of debt looks like in America, it would be this. You have to swim upstream. Swim upstream. So how did we get here? To get to such an unhealthy place with money, society had to buy into lies that have been convincingly preached to us for decades. So this morning, I want to frame this message around four lies that our culture has taught us about debt. And I want to expose these lies with the truth of God's Word. Here's the first lie this morning. It is that possession is the same as ownership. Now, that may be a little hard to understand. I'm going to explain it. Many people don't realize that just because you have something doesn't mean you own it. If you'll indulge the accountant in me for just, just a I can't resist, okay? I want to teach you something about accounting. This will be quick. One of the two basic financial reports is called a balance sheet. So we're going to put one on the screen for you to see. The, the basic formula of a balance sheet is assets equals 
Liabilities plus equity. In layman's terms, assets are possessions. They're things we have and get to use, like a car or a flat-screen TV or a home. Liabilities are debt. This is the money we borrow to acquire those possessions. We may take out a bank loan, get an equity line on our house, or swipe a credit card. Debt just means that we owe someone for it. Equity just means ownership. It tells me how much of what I possess do I actually own. So, let me show you how to apply this to everyday life. Let's say you want to buy a new $40,000 car. If you can even find one on a lot anywhere to buy. There, There are two ways to do it. If you're the person who has saved up the cash to buy this car, then when you make the purchase, here's what happens to your balance sheet. You now have a $40,000 possession. You get to drive it, you get to use it, okay? You do not have any debt that you use to obtain that possession, which means you have $40,000 worth of ownership. If, If that's you, just pat yourself on the back. All right, but there's a second way. You can buy that car. If you're a person who didn't save up and you have to use credit to buy the car, when you make the purchase, here's what happens to your balance sheet. You now have a $40,000 possession, just like the guy who paid cash. You get to drive it, you get to enjoy it. But you also have $40,000 of new debt. And you have zero ownership because the bank actually owns the car you're driving. And by the way, the person who does that, on average, is going to spend about $6,000 in interest payments over the next five years to have that car. Now, here's what's interesting to me. These two scenarios have one very dangerous thing in common, and that is in both cases, you get to possess the car. You get to drive it off the lot. You get to enjoy that wonderful new car smell. You get to post pictures on social media and be congratulated by your envious friends on your incredible financial decision. But let's be honest. Haven't we all noticed when somebody gets a shiny new toy that we wish we had? And doesn't that feeling flip a switch in our brains to try to figure out how we can get one of those for ourselves? It's no wonder that one of the Ten Commandments is, Thou shalt not covet. A primary definition of the word covet is to yearn to possess something. I I was shocked when I saw that definition. It's not yearn to own, it's simply yearn to have, to possess Coveting is a strong and irrational desire. It's a longing to have something that someone else has. Contrast wisdom, long-term thinking, to coveting, which entices us to live in the moment. Understanding what possession is, understanding that possession is not the same as ownership is a critical protection from a bad decision. So maybe the next time somebody wants you to be impressed with their shiny new toy, you should say, 
before I congratulate you, can I have a look at your balance sheet? Okay, maybe, maybe only I would do that, but I think there's wisdom there. We do need to let God's ways of thinking about debt uh, shape our own behaviors. All right, your accounting lesson is over there. All right, lie number two. Every want is a need. Every want is a need. That's a lie. Advertisers have spent decades mastering the science of convincing us that we cannot live without the comfort and the convenience and the relief that their products provide. The goal is simple. It is for you to believe that a want is actually a need. We will then go to great lengths to obtain that need. But how many of you know today, not every want is a need. Dave Ramsey talks about the four walls of actual need in our lives. Food, utilities, shelter, and transportation. These are our most basic uh, material needs. Any expenditures you make outside of these four categories should cause you to ask the question, is this a want or a need? But I would say, even within these four categories, we should ask uh, if what we are buying goes beyond our actual need. For example, I need food to survive. But I don't have to eat out at Bottega's several times a week using a credit card. I need a roof over my head. But I don't have to live in a mansion with a high mortgage payment. I need transportation to get around, but I don't have to drive a Lamborghini that I'll be paying on the rest of my life. If anybody drives a Lamborghini, I'm, I sort of figured that was safe, probably. <laughs> now, now I don't hear something I'm not saying this morning. If you're blessed financially and you can afford more than your needs, then I celebrate with you as long as you are financially kingdom-minded. If that is you, then God expects you to, to meet some needs that are not your own needs. And as you do, he may allow you to enjoy some of the overflow yourself. And so many of you have experienced that and know that is true. The Apostle Paul wrote from a prison cell in Philippians chapter 4, verses 12 and 13. He said, I know what it is to be in need and I know what it is to have plenty. I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all this through Him who gives me strength. That thread of contentment continues as he wrote in 1 Timothy 6.6, where he said, Godliness with contentment is great gain. Paul understood the power and the transient nature of possessions. He learned to not let that which he didn't own, own him. So before we redefine a need and go into debt to obtain it, can we consult with the Holy Spirit and let Him inform our decision? Is He Lord over that area of our life? Or are we in total, total control when it comes to our money? Let me give you a third lie this morning. Now is better than later. 
Now is better than later. Our culture is so saturated with debt that most of us could go get anything we wanted whenever we decided we wanted it. I've got news for you this morning. You are pre-approved. Did you know that? Congratulations. Your, your credit limit has been enlarged. You didn't, even, you didn't even ask. How kind of them. 90 days, same as cash. They want you to have it. What are you waiting for? Wow, pump the brakes on that. As advertisers tell us that our wants are actually needs, the American financial system comes alongside them and says, now... Let us help you meet those needs today. But folks, if it takes debt to make that happen, then we need to draw on the wisdom of long-term thinking. Like scriptures like Proverbs 17.1, I'm going to paraphrase it as this, having less with peace is better than having more with strife. Let me say that again. Having less with peace is better than having more with strife. Many of you have been on a Kingwood missions trip and have often seen how some of the happiest people in the world are those who live a simple life loving Jesus. But in our culture, what the lender doesn't tell you about buying now and paying later is that paying later is hard. Long after the initial enjoyment of your purchase has passed, you will still be paying the bill. And with interest, you'll pay more than what it was ever worth. Financial pressure related to debt is among the worst and most destructive pressures on marriages and families. And some of you here today have have felt that in your own household. When faced with this pressure... Our priorities are forced to be shifted to meet the demands of our creditors. And then we understand more fully what Proverbs 22, 7 means when it says the rich rule over the poor and the borrower is slave to the lender. You see, our options become reduced and our energies get diverted when we come under the rule of the lender. And God loves you so much that he does not want that outcome for your life. I'm so thankful that God has provided wisdom at times to help me avoid bad decisions and mercy at other times to redeem my difficulties. A few years ago, Kelly and I started saving for a vehicle. And it had been a long time since we had had a brand new car. And if I'm honest... We just kind of wanted it to be new. You know, you felt that, haven't you? Now, now any credible financial expert will tell you that a new car is historically a bad investment. And I knew that intellectually. So I confess that it was really more emotional to me. While we did need a car for basic transportation, what we wanted was a new car to make us feel special. <laughs> now talk about a first world problem, right? We, we have always in our marriage tried to take those decisions to prayer. 
And we did pray. And about the time we thought we had saved up enough to get the new vehicle that we wanted, COVID began. And as we started to look for our dream car, suddenly it wasn't available. It wasn't on any car lot anywhere. And we looked about ordering it, you know, online and waiting for it. And we realized the price had gone up over $5,000 beyond the amount of money that we had saved. So our want had suddenly become a moving target. Well, about that time, some friends of my wife, who are not even a part of this church, offered to sell their SUV to us. This vehicle was a 2008 model with relatively low mileage. It had been well-maintained by one owner. And they offered it to us for less than half of the market value. And we paid cash at a price much lower than a new car. Now, folks, there's nothing inherently wrong with buying a new car. But for us in this season of our life, God knew exactly what we needed. Philippians 4.19 came to life for us where it says, My God will meet all your what? Needs according to the riches of His glory in Christ Jesus. Let me, let me give you one other lie. And this one may be the most powerful lie of all. You'll be in debt forever. Now, now that's, that is, I, I told you 73% of people die with debt. So, you know, statistics back that up. But I, I want to get to the spiritual heart of this lie right here. You will be in debt forever. Last week, Pastor Jay mentioned his buddy from his teenage days. The guy who said, uh, you know, Eat, drink, and be merry for tomorrow we die. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to run up as much debt, enjoy life, and leave it for whoever, right? A large percentage of Americans have leaned into the notion that debt is normal, and it is pervasive, and it is inevitable. They've just given in to that. Maybe your debt situation today has reached that level of hopelessness. But folks, the devil is a liar, He is a liar, and his lie about debt sounds like his lies about a lot of other things. And it goes like this. You'll never be free. You'll never be free. We can go with the flow of that lie and accept it, or back to this picture, this image, we can swim upstream. Let let me say something about that, that salmon as it swims up a waterfall, back to its nesting grounds, hundreds of miles from the ocean up the river to the place where it it was born. You know, there's, there's, there's more to that story. Do you realize why salmon migrate back to the place where they were born is because they're they're spawning, they're laying eggs. They want the next generation of their own salmon family to be able to come forth. So when, when you are trying to get free, the battle is worth it because it doesn't just affect you, it affects the next generation. I'm not going to leave my kids a pile of credit card bills. I don't want to leave them mortgage debt. I don't want to leave them with student loans. I don't want to leave them with any of that. I'm going to fight. I'm going to swim upstream. And that's what I want to challenge you to do today. It's not easy. If, if, if it was easy, we could all do it with no problem. But it's not easy, so we need God's help, right? And we need each other. Amen. So breaking away from any lie that is intended for your bondage, it's not easy. 
just deciding that you want to be debt-free, that, that's good, but that doesn't mean God's going to rain down enough money overnight to bail you out. But as you partner with the purposes and the goodness of God, He will come to your aid. I, I'm reminded of the story of the widow in 2 Kings chapter 4. And I'm just going just gonna to tell this story, okay? Maybe you're very familiar with it. Uh, she was about to lose her two sons to a creditor because she couldn't pay her bills. Talk about stress, okay? I doubt very seriously that her debt had to do with any bad decisions on her part. I think it just had to do with life. Her, her husband had died. Their source of income had gone away. And she had to feed those boys. And in that culture, a debt that could not be repaid with money had to be repaid with slave labor. So into that desperate situation, God spoke through the prophet Elisha with a plan. Upon learning that her only possession was a small jar of olive oil, he told her, go collect as many jars as you can and bring them back. And she did that. And then she started pouring from that one little flask of oil into those jars, into the larger jars. And she was obedient to the task that she had been given. And God supernaturally multiplied the oil to keep it flowing until every jar was full. And then do you know what happened? She took all of that oil, she sold it, she paid all of her debts, and she lived off the rest. Now, folks, I want to tell you some things from this story. God cares about our need. He cares about our need. He will help us with that need. And we have a part in obeying him in finding the solution. We have a part. There is no promise that our part of getting free from debt is easy. Swimming upstream against the lies of our culture, it never is. As people of integrity, we should do everything we can do to repay creditors for legitimate debts that we owe. And as we act in integrity, God comes alongside us with His help. Part of God's help are things that this church is doing. We're the body of Christ. We want to come alongside you. We have, as Pastor Jay mentioned, we have a financial group that's starting in just a few weeks for our 20s in the church. And we've had a great response to that so far and still have, still have opportunity for you to sign up and get excellent financial training and, and, and to do so in a community of other people that are in your stage of life. In, in a couple months, as we turn the calendar into the new year, we're going to have a financial peace class. And those of you that have been through financial peace know what an incredible tool God has given to his kingdom to use to help people get free financially and to think right, to think God's way about money. And then we're excited. We're working on resources for you. Even as we develop the messages in this series we're seeing so many resources that we think will be helpful to you. And we're going to put them on our website, on a, on a next step that's about managing your finances. So we're excited that's going to be coming out 
very, very soon. So that's, that's part of God's help. But, but let, me, let me tell you the human side of God's help within the body of Christ. Last week when Pastor Jay mentioned the financial group that our 20s uh, were starting, and he said that there was a small fee to participate just to cover the cost of materials, well, unsolicited, we had many, many people that came up to him after church and said, hey, if anybody can't afford that, I'll pay it because that's important. That's important. They wanted to sponsor. They wanted to invest in the next generation. And, and folks, I say that because I want you to know that if you're in a place of struggle today, there are people in this church that say, man, I don't want them to struggle. I want, I want, I want to help them. I'll, I'll pay their tuition for a class. I'll do whatever I can do. I'll, I'll, I'll talk to them. I'll coach them. I'll teach them. There's people in this church that want to come. You are not alone. You're not alone. There are others that will encourage you and support you and cheer you uh, in this journey. So that's, I've given you the biblical teaching. I've told you the way that we as your church want to help. I also want to give you some hope today. Okay? Here it is. My confidence beyond any doubt that God wants to help you be free from financial debt is based on one thing. There was one debt that each one of us had that could never be satisfied. It wasn't about money. It was about sin. All of us were sinners. All of us fell short of God's standards. All of us deserved His judgment. It didn't take very long in the story of God and man for us to disqualify ourselves from a relationship with God. There are 1,189 chapters in the 66 books of the Bible, and we only made it to Genesis 3 before we messed up. But God, He loves us so much. He set a plan in motion to redeem us. We couldn't pay our debt, so He did. Jesus paid it all on the cross taking the full penalty of our guilt and our mistakes and through that sacrifice forgiveness of the greatest debt of all was made available to each one of us those in this room today and those watching us online and I just want to say to you this morning if God cares that much about your debt I want you to know today, you can trust Him with your life, with your finances, with your struggles, and with your burdens. And I want you to take hope today because God is here to help you. Do you believe that today? Amen. Amen. Thank you, Lord. To those watching us online right now, I want to tell you, our prayer team is there waiting in the comments section. They want to pray for you as you process out what the Holy Spirit is speaking to you through this message today. And I encourage you to take advantage of that opportunity.